Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Time once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, I'm still out on the road this week in West Texas. Today we made the trek from La Mesa to Big Spring to Sweetwater to San Angelo. Two big things to note on the trip today. First, it is wet in West Texas. Water still standing in a lot of fields. And we ran into rain showers on more than one occasion on our trek through West Texas today. Second thing, in the fields where it is dry enough, the sand fighters are running hard and heavy. Lost count of how many sand fighters I saw out in the cotton fields today trying to protect those young cotton plants from the blowing sand. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. They're not too happy with the hail that sometimes came along with it. But rain over the past couple weeks has brightened the outlook for many Texas High Plains farmers. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas starts the Milo harvest. The hot and dry weather has gotten the harvest off to a real fast start. We'll have those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories plus news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Corn farmers in Central Texas will be cranking up the combines in just a couple of weeks. Jessica Domel has the story. In just a few weeks, farmers in Central Texas will likely start harvesting their corn. Adam Owens, pioneer field agronomist, says the weather this year has taken a toll on corn in some areas. There's really good fields. There's fields that are we're basically walking away from and are not expecting high yields there at all either. And the stresses on our crop has really been due to the cool weather that we had the week of April 20th, high winds throughout the month of April, and then prolonged periods of rain in May. And in fact, from April 17th until the 8th of June, that was our eighth wettest when you look at those calendar dates in the last 129 years. That was Adam Owens, Pioneer Field Agronomist. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. President Trump was in Texas last week highlighting the illegal immigration problem at the border, which has endangered many Texas farm and ranch families. The Texas Farm Bureau recently spearheaded a letter to the Biden administration asking for action to address the problem. That letter was signed by all 50 state farm bureaus and the American Farm Bureau Federation. American Farm Bureau President Zippy Duvall. Well, I think the, the first step we've taken with that letter, uh, it generated uh, some attention from the White House. And we're going to continue to tell the farmer's story, tell them about what's happening on their farms as we collect that information. And I think as long as we keep telling that story, then, it, then hopefully we can find some help for the producers that are suffering from it and find some help for the suffering that's going on with the, the people that's coming across the border, especially the children. American Farm Bureau President Zippy Duvall. All of the rain across the Texas High Plains over the last couple of weeks has certainly brightened the outlook for many farmers in that part of the state. 
James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. One of the happier outcomes of our recent weather is that many farms that kept getting missed as rain fell elsewhere have finally gotten some moisture. For example, we see that according to National Weather Service figures, the Dalhart area has picked up around 3 inches of precipitation during the past couple weeks, and West Texas Mesonet data indicates accumulations of nearly 6 inches for the Friona area and a little more than 7 inches over around Hereford. And while I pick those locations to highlight, the fact is, with some frustrating exceptions here and there, I'm sure, most of the region has gotten some moisture. Precipitation that pioneer hybrid agronomist Russell French says is giving farmers a boost in many ways. We've had several center pivots that have been shut off for a couple of weeks now in some areas, and that's just really a, helps relieve pressure on our aquifer, and you know, we're People are stretching their irrigation resources. It's kind of helped us get caught up. And now we have really good subsoil moisture going into the critical time on corn and grain sorghum, you know, at tassel stage for corn and the boot heading stage for, for grain sorghum. We're going to be in good shape moisture-wise going into these critical growth stages. And although there have been some losses due to hailstorms, French says he would rate most of the area corn and sorghum in good to excellent condition. French also says area cotton, the area cotton that managed to get going, that is, appears to be doing well. We had a lot of issues getting that cotton crop established early with hail and wind and too much rain. And so uh, there was a lot of failed cotton acres that went back to primarily grain sorghum and uh, some corn. But the cotton that's left looks pretty good to me. But as we'll discuss in upcoming reports, French says there are some pest issues to address. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Rolling Plains cotton crop is in various stages of growth. Tom Nicoletti talks with a Wichita County cotton grower about his crop. For an update on the cotton in the Texas Rolling Plains, we are going to cotton farmer Kenneth McAllister in Wichita County. And uh, Kenneth, uh, give us an idea of uh, where your cotton uh, stands at this point in that uh, you folks had the plant late because of all the spring rainfall. That is correct. The rain kind of set us back. We were able to get some in early between some rains on some real sandy ground, and that cotton's a little ahead of everything else, kind of the stage where it needs to be at this time. Probably the biggest thing that's setting our cotton back right now is our cool temperatures. You know, this time of the year, we're relatively cool compared to what we need to be. Cotton kind of likes a little heat. What type of temperatures? Give us a range on those nighttime temperatures and then the daytime. (laughs) For the month of June, I'm going to say our average is in the mid-90s or lower for the average of June, and our low temperatures are going to be in the low 70s or high 60s for an average of the month of June. The average should have been in the mid-70s for the lows, should have been in the high 90s for the high. We're about 8 degrees cooler at night than what we need to be, and we're about nine degrees cooler in the daytime than what we need to be. Yes, and that's the same here in July, too, at this point. At this point, yes, sir. We're we're moving that into July. About how much rain did you receive over the the springtime into uh, now the summer months? We're somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to 13 inches total for the month of June. So at this point, still early in the season for your cotton, how does it look? Looks really good. Cotton is one of them that we all know it likes heat, but there's so much you can do to cotton to make it change. Now, what about uh, weed pressures at this point? With all that rain, you would think that uh, the weeds would be popping up in crop fields everywhere. 
It is, Tom, and as, as we speak, that's where I was getting ready to go to get a spur ready to go today. Weeds are, are getting relatively sizable in some fields. Luckily, we was able to get them clean when we sprayed uh, a planet right behind them, so we're, we're starting to see grass pressure in some, and it just varies from field to field. Are you dryland or irrigated or both? All dryland. So certainly at some point during the summer, you are going to need those timely rains to get that cotton crop going again. Yes, sir. That's the reason why we'd always like to feed Mother Nature spread it out for us. But we're going to take what Mother Nature gives us. Uh, you know, a timely rain at the end of July, 1st August will sure make a big difference. And, of course, the prices for cotton uh, better than uh, in the past. So hopefully a good crop and good uh, a good market. That is correct. It would be lovely, sir. Uh, it's not that we all couldn't use that right now. That is Texas Rolling Plains cotton farmer Kenneth McAllister. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Sorghum harvest is now underway in South Texas. Jim Hearn has an update from the Rio Grande Valley. Temperatures are back now into the 90s with heat indexes passing 110 plus, mostly out in the ranch country. Just hit and miss afternoon sea breeze showers have been occurring and the grain harvest in northern Hidalgo, Cameron and Willacy County is really off to a fast start. Very little interruption. Now, corn has dried down, so that harvest will also begin any time now. Cotton is loading up. We have a lot of blooms in the top of the plants. Dryland cotton may be a little shorter, though, than we'd like to see it. What few citrus fruit that we have have been sizing up, and so far the fruit sizes should all be jumbos by the season end. And if we have about 10% of a normal crop, uh, we may be lucky. Cattle continue to enjoy the abundance of grass. Uh, Hay cutting is active. Many new calves are being added to the herd. Cattle conditions remain very good at the present time. Now, the tropical season is limping along. No systems yet affecting Texas, but we have had a lot of Gulf rain areas that is keeping rain all along the coast. Now, we're getting to the point, though, in the season where we should start getting a lot more active. Falcon Reservoir standing at about 260 feet elevation right now. That is only 25% full and still down about six feet from really the start of the year. Any tropical activity, though, we get over Falcon, they'll have plenty of room for storage. This is Jim Hearn reporting from the Rio Grande Valley for Texas Ag Today. Following the recent USDA acreage report, markets are watching demand factors and potential weather impacts to crops. Michael Clements has more from Washington. The June 30th acreage report confirmed farmers have planted more corn and soybean acres this year compared to last. AFBF economist Shelby Myers outlines the data reported by USDA. USDA is estimating that corn planted area will be 92.7 million acres, which is up 2% compared to 2020. But it's also an increase of 1.6 million acres from what was first reported in the March prospective plantings report for corn acres. Soybean planted acres remain at the 87.6 million acres that was also reported in March, and that's up 5% from 2020. However, Meyer says the report indicates no major expansion of production despite rising prices of corn and soybeans. Corn and soybean future prices have risen 23% for corn and 16% for soybeans compared to where USDA estimates the 2020-21 marketing year prices. So given the current demand expectations that we won't see updated until July 12th in the WASD, market indicators imply prices will hover around the current 
current levels that they are remaining high. Myers adds the focus now is on weather-related market impacts. Attention is definitely shifted to monitor weather impacts, and that will really determine the crop quality and overall supply quantity. We're monitoring drought in the west, and that's simply moving eastward, and we've seen heavy rains in the south and along the Mississippi Delta region that all could really cause current supply estimates of these principal crops to drop if the weather conditions aren't ideal. Learn more at fb.org slash market intel. From Washington, I'm Michael Clements for Texas Ag Today. Deer hunters in the Lubbock area may face additional requirements this fall. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll explain why coming up on Texas Ag Today. And Benadryl is commonly used in humans for allergies, but can you use it on your dog? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd answers that question coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. We've all used Benadryl from time to time when you get some allergy symptoms, but can you use it on your dog? Dr. Bob Judd says that's a very common question. We have lots of clients always asking about using Benadryl in their dogs, and Benadryl can be used in dogs for various conditions. Benadryl is an antihistamine that has been used in dogs for the treatment of hives, allergic reaction, and allergic skin disease. However, a recent study showed that the oral absorption of Benadryl is poor at only about 10%. We routinely use Benadryl injectable in dogs for treating allergic reactions, and the injections are effective, but the oral medication is generally not. So if you're giving your dog oral Benadryl for allergy or allergic reactions, it is unlikely to be effective. A study was performed using an injection of histamine to cause a skin reaction, and then Benadryl was given to check for the response. There was no response from the Benadryl, but there was a response from cetirizine, commonly known by the trade name Zyrtec. So if an over-the-counter antihistamine is needed, Zyrtec is going to be better than Benadryl. The dosage of cetirizine is about 1 milligram per pound of body weight. So a 20-pound dog would need about 20 milligrams of Zyrtec every 12 hours. As far as atopic dermatitis, antihistamines can help, but there are a lot of differences among these drugs. So I would recommend asking your veterinarian about the antihistamines best for your dog. And unfortunately, none of the antihistamines are very good for treatment of skin allergies in dogs. So if your dog is scratching and itching, call your veterinarian for an exam, as we have some really good allergy medications available. This study shows that Benadryl given orally has very little effect in dogs. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Deer hunters in the Lubbock area may face additional requirements this fall. Jessica Domel tells why in today's Wildlife Report. 
By the time deer hunting season rolls around this fall, there will likely be chronic wasting disease testing requirements for deer harvested in Lubbock County. John Solofsky, Wildlife Division Director for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says the Parks and Wildlife Commission will consider implementing new zones after free-ranging mule deer tested positive for CWD near Buffalo Springs in late February. Our last commission meeting, we made the uh, commission aware of what's occurred with the breeding facilities as well as that positive deer in Lubbock County. And we have a proposal before the commission that they will consider those surveillance zones, testing requirements there in Lubbock County. And although it hasn't been approved, I fully expect that we will have a surveillance zone in Lubbock County and there will be mandatory harvest testing from hunters in that area. The CWD-positive deer Solofsky mentioned is the first animal in Lubbock County to test positive for CWD. CWD is a fatal neurological disease that affects members of the cervid family. That includes deer, elk, and moose. In Texas, hunters who harvest mule deer, white-tailed deer, elk, red deer, or other CWD-susceptible animals within a surveillance or containment zone are required to bring their animals to a check station within 48 hours of harvest to be tested for CWD. There are also movement restrictions for carcasses. There are currently CWD zones in the Transpecos region, South Central Texas, the Panhandle, and in Kimball and Valverde counties. The commission will consider the creation of new zones in the Lubbock area at its meeting August 25th and 26th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Well, the corn market kicked off the week with a bang on Tuesday with a limit down move. That helped out feeder cattle prices. So how did the trade respond on Wednesday? Jessica will be back with a complete look at the markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. And we're back looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we have a combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields. It's no contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle markets were feeling some resistance Wednesday and posted losses. Live cattle for August down $1.80 to $120.60. Live cattle for October down $1.45 to $126.70. Live cattle for December down $1.07 to $131.47. Feeder cattle for August down $1.62 to $159. September feeder cattle down $1.20 to $161.52. Feeder cattle for October down $1.15 to $163.50. All of that despite lower corn prices on Wednesday. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. We did not have a sale at Jordan Cattle Auction this Monday at the Mason location, but we'll gear up and sell hard on Thursday in San Saba. Ken, what's headed our way? 
You bet, Larry. It looks like we're going to have a real good run. We've got several people already. Let us know what they've got on these calves coming in. We have a kind of a wean sale and then also our special stocker feeder sale. I got close to 12 to 1,400 head we know coming right now. Lots and lots of choice quality cattle. A lot of cattle will be weaned too. And then we'll have those. I got one little group of cows that's going to be here that uh, we'll have. So we'll start to sell off at 11 o'clock and uh, roll right into the uh, calves. A lot of these cattle will be off the of fall calving cattle and maybe a few winter calving cattle too. So good run. Looking for a couple thousand head or so, I think, uh, Larry. Ken, tell us how to get a hold of you. Give us a call, Larry, code 325-372-5159, or go to our website if you need some additional information, jordancattle.com, Larry. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host. I'm Larry Marble. Good day. Class 3 milk for August, up 38 cents to 16.97, 100 weights. Cotton was trading higher for most of the day Wednesday on fears that Hurricane Elsa will impact cotton in Georgia and the Carolinas. Cotton for October up 22 points to 88.08. Cotton for December up 23 points to 87.63. Corn for July down three and a half to 6.52 and a half. Corn for September down nine and a quarter to 5.42 and three quarters. Corn for December down eight and three quarters to 5.31. A lot of that likely due to improved weather forecasts for much of the Corn Belt and harvest should get started soon right here in Texas. After double-digit losses Tuesday, wheat recovered a bit today. Hard red wheat for July up 5.5 to 5.81. Hard red wheat for September up 3 quarters to 5.84.5. After near-limit losses Tuesday, soybeans recovered quite a bit on Wednesday. Soybeans for July up 22 and 3 quarters to 13.86.5. Soybeans for November up 22 and a quarter to 13.27 and a quarter. Despite rising demand, natural gas fell on Wednesday. Natural gas for August down four cents to 3.59. Natural gas for September down three cents to 3.57. After hitting $76.98 a barrel on Tuesday, the highest it's been in six years, crude oil prices fell today. Crude oil prices for August down a dollar 31 to 72.06 a barrel. Crude oil for September down $1.21 to $71.37 a barrel. Now let's stroll on down and take a look at our financial markets. The Dow up 101 points to 34,678. The S&P 500 up 15 points to 4,359. The Nasdaq up 5 points to 14,669. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel. I'll see you around. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.